Welcome to the Grow People podcast with Pastor Jason. Hello, everybody. Lead pastor. That was hot. That, 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 was, that, that was. He's so excited <laughs> to be here today. Ooh. Uh, lead pastor of Revolution Church. Uh, my name is David Stein. I'm the campus pastor at our Canton location. Purpose of the Grow People podcast is to help grow people. Grow people. There you go. Sorry, I didn't, okay. if you were waiting on me or you were like doing a dramatic pause. It was a fill in the blank quiz. <laughs> Speak, speaking of quiz, we thought it would be fun Uh-oh. to surprise Pastor Jason with a little Christmas quiz. Mm. You know, what would it be in Christmas and all? It Christmas and yeah. all. Yeah. So these, are five, these are five questions. Uh, you have uh, sworn an affidavit that you have not seen the questions. I have not. Uh, you have not seen the answers. I have not. Okay. Are these right or wrong? Subjective? Or uh, no, they... there's an actual answer. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, now, if you're watching the podcast, uh, you have on the bottom of your screen a little tally board. No, you you, <laughs> you don't. You don't have that. And you can tally board. Ta- yeah. I don't even know what a tally board is. Yeah, I'm not really sure either. I always just assume that whatever you say was something that was true back in the 70s or 80s. Everything was true back in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> well, I'm saying like you could say it and I, yeah. and I would be like, well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I, don't, I wasn't I don't, around. I don't remember. Yeah. What, I was, what did you drop in the, uh, in the message on Sunday? Oh, this happened in 1972. I wasn't born yet. Yeah. <laughs> you old people <laughs> some in, of you, in the crowd, you were born. I said some of you were alive during that time. <laughs> well, actually on the Thursday night, I said 1962. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, and this is part of what happens afterwards, you lovingly in your way came up and, and you were like, what, what year was that? <laughs> and you were like, what, what Apollo mission was that? And I was like, you talking through and you're like, well, this one was in 68. And you're like, I think that was in, and then I looked it up. I'm like, oh yeah, it was 1972. When you could have just come up and said, hey, that wasn't 62, it was 72. I didn't. I don't want to be that guy. I mean, I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. it. I was, but I was alive in 62 also. <laughs> so it could have gone, could have gone either well, way. Well, that's how you knew. Well, yeah. the, the reason I, I knew that stuff is, you know, growing up, if you did grow up in the 60s, you know, the Apollo missions, that, that was the end that all, was be all. I remember yeah. where I was when... Apollo six, Apollo 11 launched. Mm. It launched on July 16th. We didn't land on the moon until a few days later. Yeah. Uh, and was that in 68 when that, that was? was 60, or, 1969. 69. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, JFK said in, in 1961, we will uh, land a man on the moon and bring him safely home to Earth. In and, the end of this decade. Uh, but there are those who say we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually sitting next to a guy at a uh, at an event who who believed that we didn't really yeah those things are always you know i'm i'm not making fun of people i don't mean to do that mm-hmm. but the people who get into the conspiracy theories like that that's why i'm always like what i always think about it is what is it i mean you say we didn't why like why are you spending so much of your life trying to prove that we didn't go to the moon what's mm-hmm. the purpose in that yeah you know um and and i mean obviously i believe we did Um, just like I believe the world is round and not flat, you know? Um, but it just, it it just, people like that are intriguing to me is what I'm saying is Mm -hmm. like, that's the mission of their life to prove that point. And and all I'm trying to say is whether you believe it's true or not, get a better mission in your life than than trying to prove that conspiracy theory. Well, the picture of the blue marble that you showed in, in the message on Sunday looks pretty round to me. looks pretty round to me. Yeah. Like a perfect circle. Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> All right, let's get to the quiz. Let's get to the uh, Christmas quiz. You're listening to the Grow People podcast. Um, okay, first question. Uh, 
if you don't get this, we will just stop the podcast <laughs> okay. and we'll move on to the next episode. <laughs> no pressure. Okay. Uh, this Frank Capra movie is your all-time favorite movie. Frank Capra? Capra. Capra. Frank, <clears throat> Frank Capra. He was the director. Oh, okay. He, he directed this movie. You have mentioned it many times I have. last week. I have. In a sermon. Well, well, you said my favorite movie. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's not your favorite movie. Your favorite Christmas movie of all time. Yes. Yes. Okay. Let's Let me qualify that. Let's clarify. Okay. Well, that's why you were confusing me. Okay. So I'm like, if I get wrong my own answer about what is my favorite, <laughs> then this is what, is, what does this say about me? This is your favorite Christmas movie. Yes. It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. Yes. And, and you made mention that those who have not seen It's a Wonderful Life are heathens? Yeah. I don't know what I said. I, I, I don't know. Uh, sometimes I say things and... You know, no, was, I don't think you said heathens, but I, I probably said, yeah, something worse. I, um, I was convicted. Were I, you? I, I, I've only seen bits and pieces. What? Yeah, I know. It's, it's really more of a shock than anything, uh -huh. you know, because um, when you ever, however you grow up and whatever your life is normal, it's weird to hear that somebody else's life isn't that same normal. My life was not Christmas movies. Okay. Now we watched Charlie Brown Christmas special. Of course. Yeah, yes. we did that. Rudolph. We, yes. We did, we did that. Um, but prior to conversion, I saw the Godfather over a hundred times. <laughs> so, and then when I, when I hear somebody who's not seen the Godfather, that's, I, that's I what I'm shocked. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like when something is so culturally iconic, mm -hmm. it's hard to believe that people haven't. And Christmas, you know, like around Christmas time, it's a wonderful life. Christmas vacation. Mm -hmm. Those movies play all the time. And so it just, it amazes me that people haven't seen them especially one like an old black and white movie like that, that has kind of just been timeless. Mm -hmm. So no, you're one for one. Thank you. Okay. Now uh, that I understood correctly, the question <laughs> number two, number two, uh, this Irving Berlin movie, uh, included the Academy award winning song, white Christmas by Bing Crosby. These are like, it's a tough question. Well, who was the person that you said? Irving Berlin. Is he, it, he wrote White Christmas. Okay. 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 So wrote the song. He wrote the song. Okay. Yeah. So what movie did that debut in? White Christmas. Yeah. These feel like very cerebral questions. I was thinking like, you know, how many reindeer were there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who's the one with the red nose? Well, the reason it's a trick question is because it was in White Christmas in 1954. So obviously that's not the right that's answer. Not, that's not the right answer. This would be our favorite holiday movie. It's called Holiday Inn with Bing Crosby and Rosemary Clooney, George Clooney's mom. That's the answer? Yes, Holiday Inn. <laughs> How, well, you weren't going to get it. So. <laughs> no, no, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express <laughs> last night. <laughs> Ding! Where's the bell? Where's, Where's the bell? The bell? <laughs> uh, that was 1942. Um <laughs> Number three, number three. I was not alive then either. Yeah. <laughs> number three. This is this should be easy. Okay. This hymn, written in 1710, was originally in Latin. Waney, Waney, Emmanuel. And these are Christmas questions. Chris, this is a yeah. Christmas question. Yes. This hymn, this Christmas song, mm -hmm. written in 1710 in Latin, is Waney, Waney, Emmanuel. Captivum salve Israel. Mm. So Emmanuel. 
Is it Emmanuel? Yes. Okay. okay. Oh, come, yeah. come, Emmanuel. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Okay. We're going to give you that one. Uh, you're two for three. Um, have you ever heard of the Christmas truce from World War One? Christmas truce? The famous Christmas truce? No. Okay. We'll, well, scratch, we'll scratch that question. <laughs> I'm sure I might have in history. Okay. This is uh, 1914, Christmas 1914. British troops and German troops, they're in their foxholes. Mm-hmm. And they... They met in the no man's land between the foxholes. Oh yes, I have yes, heard this. Yes, yes. Did you know there was a a Christmas song that uh, the German troops began to sing? Yes, that drew them out. Do you yes. know what? Do you know what song that was? No, but I, there was a movie about this. There I was. Feel like. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was Silent Night. Silent Night. Silent That's Night. right. Yes. yes. Yep. I, um, I didn't know if it was holiday. I should have made these easier. Um, I'm just wondering who in the world. I mean, I know who you. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Came up with these questions. I did. I did. And, and <laughs> now I, I know why you asked me if I wanted to know these questions prior <laughs> to, because I needed time to appropriately look them up. One more. One more. Um, greatest Christmas movie of all time featured um, a villain worse than Scrooge. Uh, what was that character's name in the movie Die Hard? Oh. <laughs> Played by the late Alan Rickman. Yeah, Hans Hans uh, Gruber. Hans Gruber. Yes, there I just watched this the other day. Yes, the greatest Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. See, that's the debate: is it a Christmas movie? I, I do believe it is. Yeah, um, but it came out at Christmas. Came out at Christmas. Yeah, um, it has Christmas. It has a Christmas motif. It does. Yeah. Christmas yeah. overtones and undertones. Yeah, which is funny to me because it's set in L.A. Yeah. You know, and so like when you think Christmas, you don't think L.A. It is know. bizarre in Los Angeles to celebrate Christmas. I would imagine. Palm trees, it's 85 degrees. Yeah. And then there's Christmas lights everywhere. Yeah. But there are places uh, like Avalon because they started places like Avalon. Exactly. Yeah, like the Urban Spectrum and yeah. all that. Yeah. Where you walk around and there's snow falling. Yeah. And it's 85 degrees. <laughs> so... <laughs> See, okay. the, I love Die Hard. It is, but mm-hmm. I would personally would not call it a Christmas movie, which is I know highly controversial. It is, and I probably just lost a lot of fans. Um, <laughs> so I love the movie, but yeah, it's it happens at Christmas. I I don't even want to get into that controversy. <laughs> there's plenty of other controversies to get into. There is. Okay, so there's the Christmas quiz. I hope you enjoyed that. And if you were yelling at your uh, portable device or you're in the car listening to the podcast and you're yelling out the answers, uh, good for you. There is no prize. Coming up on I would, the- I would like to know if anybody knew the answer for the Holiday Inn, though. Oh, I would, ho- I would hope. Leanna knew it because we watch it every year. Yeah, but yeah. Did, would she have known it if she didn't know you? Yes. Hmm. She turned me on to that movie. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She isn't, she's an old soul. Well, that is true. mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Coming up on the next podcast, not this one, but the next one, uh, we will be talking about Sabbathing and lamenting and getting through the holidays when there's just an overwhelming sense of just the last two years, Mm -hmm. the overwhelming sense of of grief. Uh, But on today's podcast, we're going to look at where we've been and where we are going to go as a church. At the time of this recording, it has been 635 days since the, I counted, uh, (laughs) since, since the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. Wow. Um, And a lot has happened since then. Mm -hmm. A lot has happened since 14 days to flatten the curve, uh, all the way to get this shot and lose your job 
and everything in between. Yeah. Um, so um, we've had an incredibly divisive uh, couple of years in our country uh, with regard to politics and race. And as we as we sit here today, uh, I want to start out by by saying thank you for leading uh, this church through the last twelve years, but also. Uh, the last two mm. and leading through a crisis yeah. is, is never easy. Um, but leading through a crisis you learn. So, uh, what have we learned and what convictions do you have coming out of the last 22 months? Yeah, that's a, and we've been talking about this some in, in, um, at the church and we've been having this conversation, but yeah, what you just said, I just love that when you go through crisis, you learn, you know, and I think the greatest crisis of any crisis is if we don't learn, mm-hmm. right? Um, we go through crisis and it's, and you know, this has been a question that, you know, theology and philosophers have dealt with for centuries, mm-hmm. you know, millennia, the problem of suffering. Um, although the Bible talks a lot about it, you know, and how we suffer into, you know, Romans eight, whether it's James, like how to consider suffering mm-hmm. because of what it produces in us. Mm-hmm. Um, so none of us would choose it for ourselves. Um, and this last almost two years is no different. None of us would have chosen this. Right. None of us would have, you know, had this. What do you always, on the bingo board, what do you say? Uh, no one, don't you say that? Yeah. Like, uh, like bingo? Yeah. No one saw this on the, uh, you say that phrase quite a bit. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. No, I'm, like, I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, who had this one on their their 2020 uh, oh, bingo? Who, who had this on their bingo card? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah okay, I've said that. okay. Uh, okay. I, I thought you were referencing that I'm old and I play bingo. <laughs> Though I do love a game of bingo. <laughs> hey, I would say it's not just an old person's game. We actually in college when I was in this is complete detour. Now we used to go play bingo every week, mm-hmm. and that's when I learned about daubers and the whole deal. And uh, that's a lot of fun. Like doing it, you just smell like smoke afterwards, but. It's it's a lot of fun, yeah, yeah, no doubt. No okay, doubt. so now okay. I'm not crazy. You were saying that. I have, no, I, okay. have I have said that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, <clears throat> as I normally say, I'm not normally wrong. So Bingo. I just wanted to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where else could you get content like this? Um, uh, anyway, I was more of a Yahtzee fan. More of a yacht. Yeah, Yahtzee's good too. Okay. Um, Uno for me. So, but my point where I was going with that is none of us would have chosen this. No mm-hmm. one would have seen this. And so, um, we can look at the season that we've gone through in any season in our life when there is suffering, we can look at that and just, and it, and we'll talk about it next time lamenting and how that's good. And, but I think the best thing we can do is learn from it yeah. and grow from it. And so going through this season as, uh, as individuals, as you know, me as a Christian, as a dad, as a husband, as a pastor, you know, I've thought about it on multiple levels. And so there's things about myself that I want to change uh, and then things about leading our church. And so as we started kind of talking through this and we started working on things as a church, just as we were becoming dismayed about the way things were sure. and how uh, so many Christians were divisive and how um, there was this kind of, uh, as many people have said, COVID just accelerated everything. You know, didn't, it's not that it changed a lot. It just accelerated, it brought all these things to the forefront. So I, I started thinking about this. And in fact, one of our friends that is, helps us in, in church was just asking me, like, what are some convictions coming out of COVID? Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, man, that's a great question. And 
of course, I love alliteration. So then it was like, okay, here's my COVID convictions, you know. And as a church, uh, and one of the things I've been sharing is there was three primary convictions that we had <clears throat> coming out of COVID. And so I can share those quickly. But number one, coming out, uh, and we're not out of it, but you know, that's come out of this season of COVID, is that the church is God's plan A. Um, that's our, excellent. our first conviction as a church. And, and the reason why I said it like that is, you know, when we first closed in-person gatherings last year, uh, we did it, uh, because again, we wanted to be the phrase we, we used was we wanted to be a good community partner. We had, had literally had talked to hospital leaders, school leaders, city and state leaders, uh, about, Hey, we're kind of all in this together. And for the, you know, for the first little while when lockdowns and shelter in place started, there was this sense of like, Hey, we're all in this together. Let's do this together. So when we, we felt like it was the right thing to do at the time. But one of the things that I have said and learned that the psychology of closing down in-person gatherings was much easier than the psychology of coming back. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is closing down is easy because it feels like the right thing to do. Right. But then once you do that, it's like, well, by what standard would we come back? Mm -hmm. You know, and we, I created this whole like four phase reopening plan and I thought it was really awesome and great. And you try to create these benchmarks <clears throat> until you realize the goalposts moved all the time. Mm -hmm. It was like to 14 days to flatten the curve turned into 14 months to, you know, so it was just such a crazy time where the conviction of like, man, the church is the gathering of the church is so important that that is God's plan. So it went from, Hey, we are doing this because we want to be good community partners to we now have this conviction to not close our doors any again. Mm -hmm. um, and I told our team when we came back last year, I said, Hey, we're gonna do everything we can to keep meeting in person, to keep gathering in person. Cause it's so vital mm -hmm. because when we don't have this rhythm of gathering together every week, then we feel so disconnected. We right. feel so on a part. I mean, it's like not gathering with your family. You know, the church is the family of God. And so again, we still want to be smart, but the the conviction was we're going to do everything we can to not close in-person gatherings again, not because we felt like what we did was wrong or bad, but once it was taken away, we just realized, not that we didn't know it was vital before, um, but we just understand how vital it is because the I, I really feel like, I'm not saying COVID was from the devil, but I, he used it to isolate. Mm -hmm. And then separate. Right. Um, and that's where we felt like as the church, man, we've got to get back together because this is vital. Um, it is God's plan. How, how how difficult was it to lead through last year? I mean, it's it's hard to I mean, I had a sigh there. It's hard to adequately adequately put into words. Um, and I've said this many times too, when we first closed in person gatherings, I was on it, which may sound weird to say, but I was honestly excited because we we talk a lot about live, living life on mission right. here. And, and so I felt like, oh, this is a great opportunity for us to kind of redirect resources and read. We're not having to do gatherings right now, but now we can mobilize our people to live life on mission. If we're not gathering together, you know, as the church, then we can scatter as the church, mm -hmm. you know? And so we worked really hard to 
for people to live life on mission. And so we were keeping, you know, food pantries at schools stocked. We were helping people. Uh, we were serving people, the hospitals, leaders, uh, you know, so for the first few months, I was honestly excited. Mm -hmm. So that part wasn't hard, but once everything started to kind of shift even politically and then culturally, and then we moved into another crisis in the summer, Mm -hmm. uh, then it became crisis upon crisis. And then that's when the reality of like, Oh, we're not getting, we're not getting out of this anytime soon. And now, uh, the fact that we've all been separated for months and now these, you know, other crises are happening at the same time. Um, that's when it became really hard to lead and, and then to try to reopen because again, it's by what standards, you know, by whose standards, CDCs, all this, other, all that stuff changes all the time. Mm-hmm. It became impossible to make a plan and, and, part of leadership and and I didn't come up with this idea, but part of leadership is solving problems before other people know that there are problems. That's what we do. Right. Well, everybody knew there was problems. Mm -hmm. And so leader, it became very reactive Mm -hmm. instead of proactive. Right. And that's what made it so hard is I'm just reacting to all the, we were just reacting to all these things all the time, which then, uh, doesn't allow us to be proactive to do what we do and to get back into rhythm to do what we do. And so that's what made it so hard. It's like, you're just playing whack-a-mole all the time, trying to put out all these fires. Mm-hmm. And that was just exhausting. When you got to the point of, okay, we've, we've regathered, we mm-hmm. regathered uh, a lot quicker than a lot of places. Yeah. Uh, we regathered in August of 2020. Mm-hmm. When we got to the point of, okay, we are going to be in this rhythm. We're going to do everything we can. This is one of our convictions coming yeah. out of 2020 was to to stay in person yes. and continue to give other options because mm-hmm. we knew people weren't of ready. Of course, yeah. We had scattered, you know, more spacious services online, all that kind of stuff. We spread out times, yeah. When did you feel, and, and was it when we put the discipleship task force together, when did you feel, okay, we've, we're going to have some momentum coming into 2021? Well, that really led to the second conviction, you know, um, to answer your question, when did I feel? So the first one was God, the church is God's plan. A like that is the, the plan of God, you know, to, um, to get the God, you know, to make disciples. Mm-hmm. And so when you start thinking about, okay, the church is God's plan. Well, what is the mission of the church? Right. So my second conviction was discipleship is the mission of the church. And so I, I had this, like a lot of people, um, I was just dismayed uh, about how Christians were acting um, and not just Christians in our church, but also Christians in our church, mm-hmm. how they would talk and how they would treat people. And you just realize very quickly, oh my gosh, like all these people that you're doing life with, that you're helping grow, you realize we haven't done a great job. Mm-hmm. You know, of, of one of the things I've said is I, I just realized, and a lot of people realize that most Christians have been discipled by the world mm-hmm. more than they've been discipled by the word. Mm. So that's when that conviction really started to say, gosh, we've got to get better at this. And you just mentioned it, but yeah, one of the things we do is, did is I, I knew this was a problem that we had to work to solve. And so I just didn't know what else. There was a lot of talk about task force at the time. <laughs> so we put together this discipleship task force of so just people on our team and that we're thinking about these things and responsible for a lot of this at the campuses and in adults and that kind of stuff. And so 
we just started meeting weekly and said, all right, we're going to work on this. We're going to figure out a better discipleship strategy, you know, and looking primarily at the strategy of Jesus, how did he do things? Right. Um, and one of the things that I share that, that I learned uh, a couple of years ago in our church planning network, because our vision is to multiply. And one of the things they research that research said of why multiplication movements died was that the church didn't have a micro discipleship strategy that the macro of planting churches and mm. campuses was built on. Mm. And that's what I realized. Like if we were ever going to have a multiplication strategy of where we actually planting churches and campuses, that that had to start at a micro level. Mm -hmm. We had to first multiply disciples and leaders because if we never multiplied disciples and leaders, we would never get campuses and churches. So that's where we, we kind of went back to the drawing board, if you will, and said, okay, how are we going to multiply disciples and leaders and really reworked our entire discipleship strategy based upon the strategy of Jesus and how he did things from large groups to medium-sized groups to smaller groups to, you know, all the way, you know, what we have said is like the hundreds, the 72, the 12, and the three, you know. So we rebuilt our entire discipleship strategy based upon that, and we're just now getting started doing that. Like we've, we've changed our welcome process, so how people get connected on the front end, and now we're, we are, we are, we have changed what our kind of group strategy is, what that looks like serving on teams. Like we rolled out our entire new t-shirts for our teams with 72 on the sleeve, because mm-hmm. we understood now uh, people are more willing to join a team before they are to join a group. And so we just looked at all that and said, okay, let's put this strategy together. And we're just getting started in that. So to answer your question about momentum, I feel like it was a need that everybody in the church felt, mm-hmm. um, and again, not just revolution, I think the broader church to say, man, we, we got to do a better job at this, that the church is, and I don't mean this to, because it bothers me when people are so negative about the church. Um, but I, but being in it, I, I, I realize, and a lot of people appropriately realize, hey, the church is, you know, we're not just here to be cool. Because I think so often that was the, mm-hmm. the mantra, like we're just trying to fit in with the culture. Um, to where now we're saying, no, we've got to do a better job of preparing people for the culture mm. um, because they're not prepared. Right. Um, right. No, that's good. Uh, and, and to paint the picture of this discipleship task force, if you have ever been in the multipurpose room at our Canton location, mm-hmm. uh, we met there every Wednesday yep. for hours in the afternoon yep. starting in January of 2021. So we were still socially distancing. Yeah. Uh, there were seven people in the room. Uh, everybody sat at a, at a round top that sat eight people. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one person at a table and there were these light bulb moments every time we got together Yeah, where it was like, Oh wow. Yeah. That's how Jesus did it. Yeah. Or yeah, that's excellent. The 72 on the sleeve that people are going to ask, Hey, what, what's the 72 all about? Yeah. So that brings us to this moment in the life of the church where we have a, a third conviction, mm-hmm. a third conviction that, that kind of taught, it doesn't tie it up into a bow because this is a, a five to 10 year plan. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the third one, yeah, it kind of brings those two together to say, well, since the church is God's plan A mm-hmm. and God determines that, not us. And he has told us what the mission of the church is to make disciples, which is what Jesus told us. 
Then the third conviction is then we're going to invest in the future of the church. We're going to invest in the mission of the church for generations to come because the greatest um, failure we can have as a church is not only did we not accomplish our mission, but then we didn't accomplish our mission and then the next generation missed it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so our mission as a church has got to be generational. Like we've got to think generationally Um, because the gospel is, and I don't say this like, like it's actually going to happen because obviously the sovereignty of the Lord, it won't. But I think we have to think the gospel is always one generation from dying out. Mm. Um, It's always one generation away from a generation of people not knowing it. Right. And, and we talk a lot about this, you know, old Testament Jewish history. How many times does the Bible say this generation followed the Lord, but then the next one didn't. Mm -hmm. And so they just forgot. They didn't remember. And so not only in this cultural moment is it so important for the church to do its mission, to accomplish its mission, but think about where we are right now versus where we will be 20 years from now mm-hmm. or 30 years from now. And so if we are concerned about the direction of the world, then the best thing that we can do is invest in the church and because that's the plan. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's wrong or bad to invest in politics or any other kind of thing um, because those are ordained by God too. But what I'm saying is there's no investment that should get more from us than the church Uh, with our time, with our money, with our resources, because there's nothing that's going to last like the church. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, we can go biblically. and, And I mean, you think about the church in Rome and when it first started, the Roman government went away, but the church still exists. Mm-hmm. And so all of us should care about the direction of our country, and that's good and right. Um, but we should realize that the the good of our country comes out of the church, comes out of the, the impact that the church can make on the people of our country. Um, and so, yeah, it was just this conviction of saying as— like Joshua did as for me in my house, you know, I can say that for my family, but I can also say that as the leader of this church, yes. say for, for me and our church, this is what we're going to do. We're going to invest in the mission of the church for generations to come um, because there is no other plan. Mm-hmm. Um, part of where we are currently is due to failures from church leaders prior to us, not preparing us for these moments. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's where our, I feel this huge sense of responsibility to say, I don't want the generation coming after us saying, Hey, you guys didn't prepare us for this. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't prepare us for the onslaught that my faith is taking. Right. Um, you didn't teach me how to think about this. You didn't teach me how to handle this. Um, and, and I just don't want to leave that kind of legacy as a church. Mm-hmm. And, and why are we doing this? We're doing this because every single week we get to see people who have not been in church in over two years, mm-hmm. they are returning to church, yep. and uh, and obviously we want to love everyone where they are, of course. Uh, but we want to encourage them to come back, yeah. And we're also seeing a flood of people coming to church for the first time, yeah. Because what they what they were clinging to prior to COVID, yeah, fell apart, fell apart. And God has a unique. That's why I said earlier, I don't think COVID's from the devil. Um, now that's a bigger theological question we can get into in the future. Not like cilantro from the last yeah, episode. Yeah, it definitely is from the devil. 
Um, but when it comes with a problem of pain and human suffering, um, you know, theologically speaking, um, God doesn't create that, but he uses that. I mean, we are a result of human pain of result of human choices, but God is sovereign and in control of that. And he uses those things. And so, uh, just like the Bible talks about with, with prophecy, again, everybody likes to get into the book of revelation, which is fine. I think we should, but people for people like to get into the latter parts of the book where it starts talking about all these events that are going to take place. And they miss the first several chapters of the book, which are the letter to the churches. Mm-hmm. And it says in there, listen to what the spirit is saying to the churches. So the reason that that is at the beginning of our apocalyptic literature, because that's the point, the point of anything that happens is for people to listen to what the spirit is saying to the churches. Mm-hmm. And he uses persecution to awaken the church. He uses suffering and hard times to awaken the church. And so I 100% feel like that COVID, it can be used by the Lord for the Holy Spirit to speak to us and wake us up and to listen to what the Spirit is saying to us as a church and say, guys, this is not a game that we're playing. This is real, and this has eternal consequences for you, for me, for my kids, for the generations beyond us. So let's quit playing church. Let's, and I think that's what happened to a lot of people yeah. pre-COVID. They were just playing church. Yes, and that's what we're saying now is no, we're not playing, you know, and again, I'm not saying there's not reasons to watch online or, you know, mm-hmm. you may have health reasons, all that kind of stuff. That's fine. But what we're getting at is like, if, if coming out of COVID is if the church and the mission of the church, isn't more central to our life than mm-hmm. it was prior, then we haven't learned what we need to learn. And, and we have to be cautious and, and make sure that we don't fall into complacency. Absolutely. Uh, where, Okay, church just becomes something, you know, got to get the kids in church, mm-hmm. got to show up to church 1.7 times a month, yeah. keep, keep keep myself on the record books. Exactly. Uh, that, yeah. That's 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 not where we want to be. And I, and I say this all the time, uh, especially when I'm uh, talking to new stewards yeah. in session three of our welcome track. If you yeah. haven't gone through welcome track, go to our website, go to our app, click on welcome track. The mm-hmm. first two sessions are online. It gives you uh, the DNA and the culture of who we are as a church, yep. why the church is central in our lives, and then session three is in person. And I and I say this often: I didn't get saved until I was forty-five. Mm-hmm. I'm sixty now. I don't have time to play church. Exactly. And if you want to play church, this might not be the place for you. It's definitely not the place for you. <laughs> because, yes, because uh, we're a battleship against a real enemy. Absolutely. Yeah. And that analogy, you know, comes from a guy that we both respect very much. So in John Piper, and he uses that analogy to say a lot of people see the church as a cruise ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we're on this journey and it's all fun. But he said, no, we need to see it as a battleship. That's right. And I, and I think that is the purpose of why God allowed COVID mm-hmm. is to wake us up to the reality of the spiritual truths that are going on. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people maybe they saw it or knew it before and they can look at it, you know, things that are happening in politics, things are happening in the world. And they, they start getting super concerned about that. And and that's good. We should be super concerned about that. But what we can't do is allow that to make us become more cynical about the things that are happening. And it should make us become more dedicated to the solution to, to combating those things, hmm. which is the the local church. And so again, it's the mission of the church. That is God's plan. God didn't send a political savior. 
He didn't send a politician. He sent, uh, he sent Jesus, a yes. shepherd, a pastor. Amen. And then Jesus chose 12 guys and they became pastors. And that's what Ephesians 4 tells us Amen. that he appointed them to equip the people for the work of ministry. Yes. So yeah, we're not playing games here. And that's the point is like, we're not the kind of church that's going to just kind of babysit people. Mm-hmm. You know, it, we want to make it really hard. Um, we don't want to make it hard to follow Jesus here. We want to make that easy, but we, but we want to make it really hard to stay here if you don't want to follow Jesus. Amen. Because we don't have time. That's right. For that. That's right. That's right. Uh, if you made it through the Christmas quiz to, <laughs> to all of the gold yeah. of the last 20 minutes, good for you. Um, this is the Grow People podcast. Uh, thank you for sharing uh, just what's on your heart. Because uh, the last 22 months have been hard. Yeah. Uh, and as we get into the next episode uh, later this month, we're going to talk about grief and lamenting and Sabbathing. Mm-hmm. And, and I do want to ask the question, you know, what was it like to get together with other lead pastors around the country and just talk about trauma uh, that, that has been experienced in the church over the last 22 months? Because we'll find out next episode that grief is more than the things we know we need to grieve over. Mm-hmm. You know, some t- we know we need to grieve over the loss of family members. Yeah. And sometimes we don't even do that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but there are so many other things that we need to grieve. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll unpack that in the next episode. You have been listening to the Grow People podcast with Pastor Jason. Comments and views expressed on this program are representative of the mission and vision of Revolution right. Church. And for a transcript of today's podcast, just write down everything we say. <laughs> and are we going to say that every time? We are going to say that okay. every time. It's part of the part of the jingle. Well, well there are new people coming in all, That's all, true. The, all the That's time. True. Uh, if you have a question for Ask Pastor Jason, we don't have time for the Ask Pastor Jason segment today. Uh, but if you have a question, please post it on the Instagram page of Revolution Church. It's Revolution Church GA. Revolution Church. They can send us a message. They can right. send us a message. Yeah. Yes. Um, and as always, we end with the best advice we've ever heard. Pastor Jason has said this many times from stage. Trust God and take a nap. Amen. We'll see you next time.